No, but I know. It has happened to me. It happened to Joe. It's just this: the industry eats art teaching artists. It does, doesn't it? It really does. It really is like, and it's just too bad. We were talking teaching about teaching isn't how valued. I guess teaching is just not valued. It yeah. isn't. It like... isn't. It isn't. I guess we should also make a podcast today. I know. I was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Um, We're supposed to be doing know. Renaissance and Baroque. Oh, we are? Okay. Yeah, but we I don't have maybe, to. I thought maybe after your video you wanted to do the Protestant work ethic. Oh, we could. Um, but also, could. do whatever you like. You could spin the outlast rule. We need like a roulette wheel that goes like... Um, do you have a preference? I would talk Renaissance versus Baroque. Elio sent me a video today of all those like accidental Renaissance photos, and I was like, "Oh, nope. perfect! Nope, perfect! Let's do that! Let's do that! Look, send that to me. Send it to me, and I'll uh, like, let's do it." If I can, oh my god, he's being. I was like, Elio, what's going on? You're sending me a lot of messages lately. He was like, "I'm going through a career shift," and I was like, "Ah, uh, uh, yeah." I mean, like, I'm getting a lot. For... <laughs> he's like, he doesn't have a job. Basically, he's like not oh. project managing like anything. And he's essentially, like, in his own – he's, like, in a new era where he gets to, like, do whatever Art. he wants. Um, so it's like, here's my number. I'm actually thinking of coming to London hopefully oh, later cool. in the year. So I have an idea. So I was thinking about what you said about having bonus, and this will be a good time to do it. I think good. that we cut our episodes, and so we only do the topic and the the media recommendation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you said it last week, and I think it's true. What what never we're never gonna say yay or nay. The art never is gonna like. There's never gonna be one. Because where it's no, I I thought it might be a cute segment, and then turns out it actually like got to the root of like why. Quite <laughs> <laughs> so hard, um. But I also I think that because most podcasts are putting out 30, 40 minute episodes, yeah. and we're doing double that. Yeah, let's um, do it shorter. So I think because actually the Kitch versus Camp was actually yeah. such a good length because it it came in at under an hour, oh. and it was it's somebody really said they cool. really liked it. They did. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just like it was a great episode with a good flow, and I think we touched mm-hmm. on like a lot of TikTok shit as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it I have this woman really who succinct. comes to my lives, so I'm coming. I was doing lives again. I noticed because. Um, my views were down 66% from not being on live. So I was like, well, I need to get to 200 for work. Necessary need, my evil. boss wants to make it. I know it really is. But um, somebody comes to me, my lives. Her name is Elena Margot. I don't know if she follows, comes to yours too. But she said she really liked it, particularly the camp part of it. I mean, I think that it's, uh, I think that, we really touched on mm-hmm. how it operates in a way that I, I mean, yeah. never heard anyone really describe properly. Yeah. Um, I thought we just really got into it too. Yeah. Do you mind if I quickly run to the bathroom? I was just going to ask you because I want to do that too. Hey, and cool. then, let's but then let's, we'll do a short episode afterwards. Yep. Let's okay. do it. All right. Welcome to Artless Podcast, where we make art accessible. I'm Seema. And I'm Sophie. If you'd like to support our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. I had someone comment on my TikTok today, and I remind you, I am both with you on Spotify and Apple Music. We are agnostic. You go to whichever. We love when you when you um, <laughs> we love it when you're an Apple podcast. You can we love it when you go to Apple podcast. Oh yeah, and those two, and that one too. Anywhere you want to get a podcast, oh we're there. I'm agnostic. Um, that was really funny. I'm really also agnostic. Me. Um, so we really do love when you support us. We you can listen to us on Spotify and then on Apple Podcast. Yeah, mate, do it do, all. Do the double download. Do us a favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if there are any other ways you'd like to support the pod today, you can send us an email, send it to a friend, listen to an episode twice, download it, even if you don't listen to the episode, give us the hits. You know. That's right. Pal. That's right. Be a mate. Be a mate oh, buddy. About it. Discuss it at the water cooler. Do it yes. all. Have Do it all. Impressionable minds you want to radicalize? Send them art last. 
Somebody did say that they're a teacher and they listened to the critical thinking and they loved it. And I was like, ooh, now give it to your children. <laughs> Our critical thinking episode is performing very well. It's like coming oh, up right awesome. behind the Pablo Maddox, uh, nice. which is still our number one because people love trauma. Uh... People do but like the critical drama. thinking, I, I wonder if we should do like a follow-up to the critical thinking. We totally could. You know what people could do is send us questions. And we could read them here with their names. I like we the could way do you that. think. I like the I way know. you think. I know. I, I know. guess that's one. If you have uh, any questions. I'm <gasps> um, sorry. The cat came into the room. If you have mm. any questions you want to ask us about critical thinking, let us know. You have any critical conundrums about thinking? Ooh. Mm. Okay. Mm. Maybe that can be a segment. Critical mm. conundrums. Or people's um, questions in general. So one thing we're going to tell everyone is that we have decided um, that we're going to try a different format today. We're just going to go straight nope. into the topic yeah. and then end with media reviews. Yeah, I don't know um, if you listened to the Kitsch versus Camp episode on our Patreon feed, which you can get access to for three forty five a month. You will hear that we realize the problem with Arda Na is that in fact we don't have enough arts. There's not exactly. a lot of things that we can find that are not art, but we feel like are art. Yeah. Got well And it only I wonder if having someone who isn't from academic spaces, it would be a different conversation. But because we come from yeah, the same world, it's true. It's, uh, it's difficult to separate ourselves from the idea of how oh, contemporary art functions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. also, like, mm-hmm. if something is artful to you, don't let us stop you. That's right. That's right. Um, or you could write in Ardenas that you think are art really? that we might not think so. We would love to read them. Yeah. So it does things to judge. Um, yeah. So, so we have to do yeah, We can research. bring it back. That's, That's right. That's right. That's right. That's um, right. And I think it's interesting because our Ardena segment um, is actually kind of a direct result in both of our educations of the Renaissance, right? Like the idea of yeah. what is art is it was created and what was art and what wasn't art comes out of the Renaissance. And this week, our topic is the Renaissance versus Baroque. And why, again, why do people get them so confused? So I was this thinking about very topical it because there's a Rembrandt exhibition here. Oh, is there? Be. Ooh, I've worked on a Rembrandt um, exhibition. I know an excessive amount about Rembrandt. Um, Hacking. Shocking um, that you have shocking. more of a That's database right. of information up in that brain. Oh, I don't know. But um, but I do think that one of the things I was trying to think about this. Um, you know, there, somebody said to me, some woman, some racist Australian woman was upset at one of my videos. And she, Sarah, God bless Sarah. She wanted to double down. Now I stay. And they sure do. And she said, I couldn't, I could care less. Oh. And, and I, it's, I couldn't care less. I I couldn't. You need to. Yes. I could not care less. Meaning I could not care any less, any little, but she, and I thought that it's a perfect. I could care less directly implies with language, the language you're using, you could stand to care less. Yes. Critical thinking 101. Use your words. But so that's one that people often misuse. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I was thinking about yeah. it because I often think when people misuse that one, it's actually a tell. You could care less. You're right. You are actually saying the what Freudian you mean. slip. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. And I think that there are phrases that sound a certain way. No. Uh, you know, like there's other phrases and there's another one that I was thinking about in this about because like it looks like a Renaissance painting is what a lot of people say about photographs that look nothing like Renaissance paintings. Look, and I think it's because Renaissance like paintings. Spoiler. But I think it's because it sounds good and they're not hearing they're not paying attention to the words the way that like that saying is, you know, like they just <laughs> and there, there's like a there's a few others. um what was the other one I was thinking of? 
God, I can't think of it. It was like, but like, there are certain turns of phrases that we use incorrectly. Mm. Um, and I think we use them incorrectly because we hear it and it sounds good. I've got one. Okay, go. It's the fupa. It actually means fat upper pussy area, but everyone uses it refer to refer to their stomach uh, and their big belly. I never knew what it stood for. Yeah, yeah it actually means wow. like it refers to the mons pubis. <laughs> Uh, wow and it's actually really funny because like a lot of people who you'll say that to them and you'll be like actually mate this is for people with fat cats and they go no i know um but i just like i just like using it and it's like okay all righty then you, you do that but uh just as long as you know uh but yeah it means fat upper pussy area and it's one of my favorite things <laughs> ever <laughs> it's amazing wow yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, like, it's in that thing, where, like, when people know there's still, like, an intentional misuse. Um, here, I'm looking it up. I think it's because they sound... Um, oh, here's another one. This one I think is so... This is one that I can hear why they do it. Deep-seated fear, right? You have a mm. fear that's seated deeply. Mm. But a lot of people say deep-seated fear. And I've heard it, and I actually can get why they do it. Like, yeah. But it also sounds wrong to me, but also, like, my parents are, or were, like, yeah. literary sticklers. Like, oh, my be, God. My poor had, children. Used, like, everything I or me incorrectly oh, at the dinner table, yeah. they'd be like, actually, actually. Who actually. and whom? Fewer oh, and yeah. less. I do Who all of those. whom deserves the defender? It's like, I get it. But also, yeah, yep. if you understand what I'm saying, I don't think there's a problem. Because that's one of the things, because I, you know, the the older I've gotten, the more I'm kind of like, oh, it's a class thing to be obsessed with language like that. Yeah, Um, I now think it, I think it too. I didn't think it when I was younger, but now I I agree. either. But now, you know, the more I'm realizing just like, if we have the ability to communicate and I understand what you mean, I, there is no reason for me to correct you. I don't need to do that. And I never liked it when my parents did it to me. So why would I do it to someone else? So uh-huh. the one for me that always I I really believe we should use it is instead yeah. for, instead of for all intents and purposes. Intensive I really purposes? can hear I can hear that that actually sounds right to me because oh, yeah, yeah. it is I, I like as a different phrase but an important one the really important purposes you know oh, like I hear definitely. that one that's one where like that's the one that makes me understand why people say it looks like a Renaissance painting. Because it sounds right to me. It's just like those purposes, you know, those purposes were big. Like, yeah. Have you, have you ever seen the IT crowd? Yeah. And you know how he's like a pedal stool, which he says like pedal stool instead of pedestal, like putting someone on a pedestal. Uh, oh, I forgot to, about that. Yeah, I only just remembered it. I only just remembered oh. it. But like, so, so um, I think that there was the, these things that sound the damp, and feel the damp right. squid. Yeah, exactly. They sound and feel right, and I do yeah. for all those people who say intensive purposes. It those purposes are important. You're validated. You're, You're validated here. here. You're safe here. Um, <laughs> so I understand why people say Renaissance painting, but what I think is interesting is never, almost never, are they Renaissance paintings because I think that the things that people respond to. And even know like Caravaggio and Artemisia Gentileschi are all Baroque. Velasquez. Yeah. And I think it's like that Renaissance has gotten a better rap, right? We think of Renaissance as this rebirth and yeah. this place where new ideas are coming out. But for us, when we see those new ideas, they don't look that exciting. And so we can't uh. even fathom that that's the rebirth. But like, you know, this idea that things are balanced, we because I think that if we did not have neoclassicism uh, and then after that modernism, all of these ordered system, visually ordered like aesthetics, we might have seen Renaissance as exciting and and like new. But because Renaissance basically has underpinned so much of what we're looking at, we can't see it as new and fresh. I also, do you think it's something about like how it's formed in the mouth as well? Like, oh, oh ac- accidental yeah. Baroque. 
doesn't sound as nice as accidental no, renaissance you know yeah you're right it does also uh, sound fancy right sounds fancy renaissance like romanticism fancy. to it like baroque sounds like aggressive you know angular yeah um, yeah yeah uh, yeah no i think it's Especially because what one of the things I don't understand is like you know the Renaissance era is basically like an era of art where like women don't have agency. Um, is that something that we want to make a colloquialism? I don't know. Personally, not really. What's interesting, I mean, not that the Baroque had so much more agency. So I mean, I was about to say, (laughs) but um, I think also, I guess like I feel like the all the. Like all of the ones that ever are is all about basically like every it is odd. Like I feel like most of the Internet could pass a Baroque art exam, except that they would call it all Renaissance. Like other than they would use the wrong word. That's right. They would. But they would understand. They understand like every time. It's everything that I ever talk to people about. Tenebrism, chiaroscuro, breaking like the you know, breaking the fourth wall, um, you know, like this idea that like you are um, cinematic, dynamicism, like every, every word, Art History 101 that was about Baroque, Baroque. they get them all. Yeah. Yeah. They get them all. They get every single last one. There's never been one that I haven't striking movement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and for anyone who's, who, you know, I would, if you meet a visual just Google it. It's no shame. Yeah. If you don't That's know, right. if you can't call to mind, I always say for Renaissance. Right. It's okay. You could do, you could, for Renaissance, I would say do per, uh, Perugino because it's very clear and ordered. I just think like Ophelia, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and like, you know, Birth of Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the thing for Birth of Venus for me, though, is because the Perugino, because there's architecture. See, like one of the mm. things about order in Renaissance is mm. that sometimes you can't tell when it's like the birth of Venus because there's people out there. And you don't really, when order is based in the forms and like equi- equivalent volumes of form, and you're not mm. a visual thinker, it's hard to think of that as balanced. It is balanced. She's in the mm. middle. Her hair is, everything is balanced. Um, but you don't necessarily notice that. But when you look at something that's like a painting of the Virgin, like or th- that was Mary and uh, Joachim, jo- jo- um, I don't know how you say it in English. I only ever heard it in French. Um, but like in the building right behind it, and all the lines are going to like one point in perspective, mm-hmm. it's so clear. But that kind of order is something we're so used to. It's just hard to imagine that that was exciting to a whole lot of people. We're kind of teetering on the verge of me talking about a camera obscura. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just eating so I'm just eating it now. <laughs> this is like an unpaid ad for Brooklyn Deli. Delicious. Can I put that on the internet? You're just like, you sure can. You sure can. You right. sure can. Just me right. like, just it like is a... so good. It's unpaid. <laughs> it is unpaid. Unsponsored content for Brooklyn Deli. It is Brooklyn just Deli, delicious. can I have some stuff? Um, <laughs> they are good. It is so good. It's really crazy. Anyway, That's you could funny. go to Brooklyn. Yeah, we could do an episode. I could. Anyway, oh my god. Anyway, yeah. so I think that like when you see like if so like if you wanted to take a picture that was Renaissance, yeah. you would, for example, sit on the steps of uh-huh. a Beaux Arts building. Uh-huh. Keep your body as central to the frame of the building as possible. Make sure that behind you that entryway frames your body like a wes anderson shot yes actually you know i think somebody i think that there's actually a lot of shots of wes from wes anderson that are much more plus he shoots with very flat light that's Uh the other thing about the renaissance there's no exciting no there's no exciting lighting it's very diffused imagine you're just in a room with a softbox or it's like you know Early morning sunlight. So think of like yeah. Renaissance also airbrush. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I bet there's a lot of get ready with me's that are Renaissance. Totally. Um, right. And then all the goth girlies do the Baroques yes, with their high contrast, right. like Joan expressionist lighting. <laughs> who's that? Um, there's a girl who's really well known. Oh, Alex Earl. Some of hers are clearly oh. Renaissance. Yeah. 
She's just because she wants to be the center of attention. And so she stands in the center of the frame. So she'll have a door behind her, like, like framing her. That's Renaissance. Yeah. And then plus she like really has a symmetrical face. Like it's all Renaissance. That's Renaissance. Yes. And then Baroque is every, anything that the light has decided to change. Think of Baroque as high noon. High contrast, yeah, bright light, good. deep shadows. Um, it's it's all because really the major the major thing about Baroque that I and I think that that's what people are looking at is the idea of high contrast lighting and chiaroscuro. Yeah, I, I also that... think it's the emotions, right? Like, and I look at like a uh-huh. video, like the one we could put up on our um, for people on our Patreon, but um, that. It's very emotional, like what we're seeing. And I think that's the reason people even call it out. I mean, I think it's Renaissance because they perceive the word is fancy or whatever it is, but it is more emotional to everyday life. And the classic of this is like Caravaggio, right? Caravaggio's paintings are all emotions and, you know, moving forms, but also feeling. Like men at a table yelling at each other under beautiful direct lighting. (laughs) Yeah. And like, um, and and it's also a heightened sensation. Like so many of the hey. accidental Renaissance ones that are really Baroque <laughs> are this, you've caught a moment that feels like it's almost an accident. Yeah. Which is what is so common in in Baroque paintings. It, like, mm. it's as if like, you know, there's one, there's like a Zoberon of Mary and Jesus at their house when he's like a teen, mm. he's a preteen maybe. And he accidentally um, uh, pricks his finger on a crown of thorns. Uh-huh. That's like a classic Baroque, right? Uh-huh. The lost years of Jesus is a big theme in Baroque painting, yeah, especially yeah, in Spain. Yeah, yeah. And but oh it's always God. like this sort yeah. of like I've just shown up, right? Where, whereas Renaissance paintings look like they're always staged. No, no, Absolutely. you stand on that side. You stand Absolutely. on that side. Oh, that's such a good distinction. And I think that's why uh, you know it's photography that lends itself to these trends you know yeah like it's it's the snapshot that people go oh my god i've accidentally made a work of art it's like you've actually just you've seen light and you've followed your nose <laughs> you've seen nice lighting you've probably followed your nose a bit and then you are whoopsie daisied into like a world-class photo but it's only a world-class photo and has that consideration and people feel that way because of the history behind it. Well, that's exactly it. Like I'm looking at some of the ones that there are on TikTok and it's you. And I think this goes back to like we were talking about photojournalism a few episodes ago. Mm. Sometimes it is taking a great moment, capturing a great moment feels great because you've quoted something else. Totally. Even if you don't know you're quoting something else. And I think it's also, and this is like one of the things about like, you know, photography and the and then like the magic that people talk about with photo, right? Is you're kind of like, because a photo is representative of like a, a quarter second or like a 16th mm-hmm. or like a 200th mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's this extraordinarily mm-hmm. small frame of time. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of photographers, like I know this feeling as well. Like you can kind of sense that like in the moment that you're currently sitting in, a photo exists, not the moment mm. exists, a photo exists. And then it's this kind of idea of sitting with reality and like coaxing that kind of moment towards the lens and then kind of finding it and rendering it. And then like, it's it's like a whole process. But that's, of like... yeah. that's where, no, but what you're saying is that's where a the difference is, I'm just sort of like reiterating what you, like all the words you just said, huh. but um, that, maybe I, I don't need to do that. do that. But, no, I love it when No, you but you've that. just pointed out why when people make those, get those pictures, they're so shocked and excited. It's because mm-hmm. they don't realize that they've made a photograph. They didn't, they didn't wait for that moment. They didn't draw out that yeah. moment in their sitters. And it's yeah. the accidental part that makes it still a snapshot and not ne- and not art. Right. Like I remember yeah. when I was taking a photo co- class in college, I have I took I took one good p- photograph. We were on we were in um, Milwaukee. I uh-huh. take a class 
And I seriously waited and waited and waited at this, we were at this cheese barn and these twins were coming through. They look like the shining. I was sitting with these friends of mine who were real chatty and I waited and I took this picture. And it was a great picture, but it took me forever. And I sat with that camera and I pretended to talk until these twins walked past my friends to take this picture. I was really, really obsessed with like that. Oh, it was, I mean, like now I would never, but you know, I really loved PL de Corsica and I just Uh, wanted to take this picture and I just uh, waited and I waited and I waited, but that picture wasn't an accident. No. And I think that that's what you're, you know, what you're talking about is that's right. It's (laughs) that, and that's where I think people forget the photography is an art that there is an, it's not an accident because they're used to taking these crazy snapshots. It's, well, it's funny because, you know, like when my work gets like some kind of reception, there'll be the people who are like, oh my God, what a great photo. And then there are the people who are like, what are you doing in that room? Like, what, like, what, what are you specifically doing to like pull mm-hmm. this mood out of like every yeah, single yeah. setup? And I'm like, that's the work. <laughs> that's where right. that, like the art form is. Like it's, I could be like, I, you know, there are lots of people who are very technically proficient in the processes that I do, but they can't pull the mood into the space that I can Mm -hmm. and like I was just saying before like that mood I actually think is a very finely balanced combination of experiencing and being in proximity to a lot of different trauma and then Mm -hmm. being able to facilitate a space where not just in the moment but with the subject and this is like it's a very delicate balance with people as well right like you have to make them feel comfortable you have to make them feel you know, confident in being witnessed. And when you're sitting with people who, you know, aren't comfortable being witnessed, aren't used to being exposed in that way, it really is a really fine, you have to be highly attuned to your space Mm -hmm. and figuring out the moment to kind of engage in that act of pulling and like, you know, extracting is not like the word Mm -hmm. I like to use, but you know, you kind of know what I mean. Where you kind of like uh, bringing like a certain part of drawing them. out, yeah, drawing out like a certain part of who they are yeah. in into the light, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally, metaphorically, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, if you look at uh, like not that she's my favorite, but if you look at like Sally Mann's work, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can see how she's doing. That Didn't we do an episode thing. about her? Yeah, I don't yeah, know if we ever posted it though. Yeah. Hmm. Because we went through like a, a warm up period. No, oh, yeah. Okay. And then, well, then but, don't go look for our episode. <laughs> and I want to post it because you made such great critiques that she's like, oh, let's post that one. We'll post that episode. Just wait till it. we post that episode. Just wait until maybe it'll be a Patreon thing. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, if you look at her work, she does, a, you know, like what most photographers do, either large format or Collodian photographers, where they'll do a few versions of the same photo because you Mm -hmm. know that you're on the precipice of that moment Mm -hmm. where you're drawing Mm -hmm. like that right right that's it in fact yes that's what happened in this thing where i took Mm. i knew i took four pictures knowing that i knew which one it is but i knew my fingers i'm not i'm not i just don't have like that trigger finger so i knew i had to take a number you know yeah but you know what you're also making me me think about for this accidental oh yeah wow yeah. yeah, but I'm where I was shooting on um, medium format. <laughs> you were shooting. You're doing the totally much more. Three pictures cost a lot more for you. Um, but the thing you also yeah. said, I think that's really important is that, and this is an- another thing that I keep noticing when I see these accidental Baroques, mm. is that very often the person who's being posed and like looking at this video, look, keep looking at this one that we were looking at to think about this episode the people didn't know it's the accidental part is double, right? The accident is the person who looks at the picture and realizes, oh, this looks like a Baroque painting. Uh-huh. Um, but then the other accident is that the people don't know they're being sh- sh- shocked. Yeah. Like so yeah. many of these people have no idea. No, especially like, you know, the photos of like the water polo players, like the people in like parliament or whatever who are, I think I don't know if it's in that compilation. There's that like famous photo of like the Italian Parliament or whatever when they all started like physically brawling, and it looks like mm-hmm. it has like the whole golden ratio and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another part of this, right? Like the golden ratio, the balance of an image. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like you were saying like it's not like the clean symmetrical framing there's Mm -hmm. like a weight Mm -hmm. to one side of the image there's a flow Mm -hmm. and a way that your eyes move Mm -hmm. through the the structure of the image as well Mm -hmm. you know you Um, brought up wes anderson i think the other thing is that so much of our television and cinema is actually very baroque Particularly now, we're in a time where there's oh so many God. films that are so dark, you know? Oh and my, so, But also, like, guys, can we just, for the love of God, stop underexposing our TV? Because I would like to watch it during oh, the I day. Oh, I know. I would love to. I like, know you can't. We have to, like, we have to draw our out. curtains like we're in the Witness Protection yeah. Program to watch it. Do you remember anything? when NBC's Hannibal came out and the whole joke was that, like, you actually can't watch it during the day? You have to watch Like, like they, they facilitated it, so you have to watch yeah. it at night. It has to be spooky. And you act, you can't fucking see anything. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But, but I like, think it's because people. A couple of times, I was like, you guys. Oh, it is. Make dark. It a little bit I brighter. agree. Let's make it a little bit brighter. No, please. I agree. I agree. And but yeah. I think that's actually bec- th- that's why these are so compelling to people because mm. our real life doesn't look like that. Totally. And I think that's the other totally. thing about Renaissance. It's so bright mm. that it doesn't feel like emotional. Whereas these, like, I'm looking at like. Even this, like, there's there's one with a dachshund that I keep looking oh, at. Oh, yeah. Little and I think, puppy. oh, like, we're just so poetic, you know, but it feels like something. You know how, like, I think one of our greatest challenges in our society is that we are um, really starved for something that feels authentic and emotional. And that's why mm. people respond to this, but they just have the wrong word. And in fact, I think they use Renaissance actually just to mean it feels artsy because also some of these totally. are not baroque either like this one really is it's like social realist yeah that could right be like it's even geo. yeah but it also yeah. like could be like late like it could be like late 1800s you know like totally. it could be like a manet totally. like it doesn't need to be and um, then like and this one is like kind of an edward hopper uh-huh, uh-huh. you know uh-huh. like and then there's this other one that is so much orientalist where is it here Like this is Orientalist. Yep. Absolutely. And then there's then this one is like a Turner. Mm. As is this one. You know, and then and then um I love how you can just categorize everything straight away. Love your brain. <laughs> and this is a constable. <laughs> right? Like or like an Innes. Like it's not I think like the point is that they're all and none of them so because I'm just rattle off names like a fool. Most of the oh. those people that I rattled off were not neither Renaissance nor Baroque, but artists who all um really benefited from Baroque art. You know, like yep. the you know, like like the one the ones that they're thinking of, I wouldn't say Orientalism. I would say actually Orientalism benefited more from Renaissance art. But you know, that like they benefited from the the previous things, yeah. which is actually again at the beginning of this why we call it Renaissance is because we know that's important. Mm-hmm. Why we like it is because Renaissance is so similar to a lot of ways that we frame advertising pictures and like I yeah. mean so many things are basically Renaissance oh God, yeah. that we can't um, we don't see it as special and interesting. Well, I, I also, just like being back in Australia and thinking about like how I learned to look at light and all that kind of stuff, I actually think that this is maybe one of the reasons that uh, people have such an arresting experience uh, when they come to Australia and see the light for the mm. first time. Because Australia, mm. especially in inner New South Wales near Broken Hill, Australia mm-hmm. and Hawaii are the only two places in the world where you can have perfect light waves which means they're perfect Mm. unbroken light waves directly from the sun and it creates Mm. this extraordinary contrast and the it has it's like a real life baroque experience right Mm. um and that's why you know if you look at some of my studio work and my portraiture work i went to grad school and the one australian professor was like oh this isn't German expressionism. You photograph the Australian landscape. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I came back here and I saw the contrast. I saw mm. how like the world here kind of really just poetically and artfully presents itself just mm. by nature. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's so bright, so high contrasty, it's like this kind of, it's almost kind of, 
you fall into that kind of space of like a reverence, I think, because not mm. only is it a, such a different landscape, it's so beautiful and all those kinds of things, it also, the way that it reve- is revealed like through light is just kind of, it feels like art. But at the same time, like I had an experience driving along the backside of the mm-hmm. uh, Blue Mountains in New South mm-hmm. Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, all, down I've seen it on Dund- TV. Seen it uh, down Old Dundagai Road, which is like an inner mm-hmm. old highway. Mm-hmm. And it was early March. And I had like a full on, like artful experience where mm. looking at the color scape and the wildflowers during a season that I had never experienced mm-hmm. before. I, it was one of those moments where, like, you know, when you see nature and suddenly you have an understanding mm-hmm. of like an art movement. Mm-hmm. Like I understood impressionism. I understood like mm. the small like brush strokes and impressionism just by being able to see like wild grass set against this like pastel. Because Australia has like a very pastel landscape as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was and like not a baroque experience, but like a full on like I don't want to say not spiritual, but it was like a no. I know what you mean. No, but it was like one of those moments where I was Empirical. like, holy, holy shit, yes, exactly. And I was just like, holy shit, like art is life. Life is art. I see it now. <laughs> and then like, you know, I went to school and I did the photography thing and I came back and I realized like all of that again through the quality of light rather than the color mm. of the landscape. And mm. I think that especially if you look at um, like Arthur Streeton paintings mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can really see uh the like english mindset trying to come to mm. terms with the the quality of light here um and that's how we got the australian impressionists as well uh-huh. movement uh-huh. that barely anyone knows about we did we did talk about it a little bit in an episode a while ago um and i feel like that um living in the great lakes that the light yeah. changes so quickly um, yes i mean there are times within half yeah an hour. there are times yeah. where you're like it's snowing and then it's sunny, you know, and that really makes the light change. It makes the city change. And like, mm. if you're in Chicago, um, if you're living in Chicago, as I did once, um, and now or and or now living in Cleveland, you know that buildings that are a certain kind of like limestone or sandstone are going to change colors. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that. What people act, and I think that the essence of this Baroque and Renaissance, accidental Baroque and Renaissance, is that people are sort of craving art. They're craving the like nar- the visual narratives of art. They're just using mm. the wrong word. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what what do you think the narrative of art offers people, and why do you think it's something that people are reaching for? Oh, that's a good question. I do think that. Um, in Baroque art, it shows an emotion. It they like when you look at any of these ones that I see, it's always like somebody doesn't know they're being watched. You get uh, a moment, and you feel like you're getting a snapshot into someone's life. Uh, uh, you know, and so you're like getting to see emotion. And because we have a society where emotions are very narrow, like the emotional uh, ranges of people that you can actually see is narrow, you feel you're like you're getting a special in. That's right. You're yeah. a lot, and I think like then you get a special in on these people's lives. What do you yeah. think? I think you've kind of taken it right out of my mouth. <laughs> Honestly, I think we spent too I much just, time together. I think we're starting to share a brain. Um, <laughs> but I, I really do think that it's, and I think it's something where you, because we don't have access to um, feelings in the same way, and also because in terms of how photography functions and how we associate yeah. associate photography with memory. It's also kind of this idea of, oh, I'm seeing this like real piece of life when mm. in the backs of our minds since photography's inception, it's a process that is a consistent reminder of death, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Sontag yeah. quote, like everything exists to end in a photograph. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that, it's one of those moments where you feel like you may be coming into contact with something like kind of sublime, something that's like beyond mm-hmm. your day-to-day experience when in reality it's just kind of engaging with people and emotions in the same, like in the way that you probably mm-hmm. are reaching for. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the meaning making that you're trying to do will happen will happen organically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, it I, makes me think, think about memory. Also, yeah, it's like about memory. It isn't about memory, but it makes me think yeah. also. You know, Baroque comes out uh comes after the Protestant Reformation, right? Like in 1517, yeah. Martin Luther puts yeah. up his 95 theses and um on you know a German church door. Yeah. But and that is just a handful of years after the Sistine Chapel is finished, right? But after that, the church makes a really concerted effort to transform because they're losing parishioners. And the way that they transform is to make people more connected to these religious stories, which is why you have such tenebrism, which is why you have such emotion, right? They're trying to make these figures seem more human and approachable. And then when we what you're saying is that we're using photography to approach our own emotions. Like it's almost so. like we are like it's like it's actually like these photographs are doing kind of the same thing as Baroque art. But instead yeah. of being connected to the church, it's like you're being connected to yourself church or to our life. society, to each other. <laughs> yes, the church of life. The church of life. Thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know any of the church. Yeah, no, it's a, not me either. I ripped myself from those systems for a good reason. Um, <laughs> and I really, I really, and this is like kind of what the basis of my thesis was uh, in grad school, right? Mm. Which was that photo is, I think, because it's such a direct representation and extension of our perception, I really do think it's one of the fastest and most accessible ways that people can engage in that act of meaning making. Mm. Um, mm. And kind of building their own understanding of like the world around them through an extent through that externalization um which makes me feel like the advice for people at the end of renaissance and baroque a couple of advices every time you see one say baroque don't say renaissance but the second one is also if you want to try to connect to people if you gave them permit if they gave you permission you could actually connect to them by making a snapshot yeah Absolutely. You can make a non-accidental Baroque image. That's what I do all the time. That's right. That's right. You could. So um, um, we're still going to end these episodes with right. review with uh, recommendations. And my recommendation is about Renaissance, not Baroque. Okay. Um, my re- my recommendation is so when you think of the Renaissance. Um, what you should really think about is the rise in cities and the rise in power in very specific families, often mm. banking families. And so mine is The Murder of a Medici Prince by Caroline P. Murphy. Okay. And it is it's 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 an enjoyable read. It's kind of a murder mystery. Let's no say mystery. is it a romance novel? It is not a romance novel. <laughs> well, there's some, there's some love inside other stuff. No, it's yeah. like real dark. It's Ooh. about the murder of a Medici. It's really tragic. It's like very, yeah. I mean, she does fall in love, but it doesn't end up happy. It's a true story. So you, I there, love, she does, it doesn't end I up love non happy endings, so then we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, was murdered. she was historically murdered. Oh. And so it's a really good read. I think actually the history, the historical stuff that she does is is good um and i enjoyed it but i also think what it does is it helps you understand renaissance italy you know and like the culture of renaissance italy so yeah that's well because it's just so removed from i think what we understand renaissance to be exactly like the fact that one of the things i think is so interesting when people talk about renaissance then they look at these paintings i'm like those paintings couldn't even exist in the renaissance women weren't just wandering like outside thank you (laughs) (laughs) they were stuck inside yeah women were basically like sequestered dude Mm -hmm. like caged birds caged birds well said do you have a Um, recommendation for this week yeah um, but it's just because it's something I've been watching and enjoying. Um, but I guess it's a Great. way to like reevaluate your understanding of like religious mythology through like a fun lens. Mm-hmm. I've just been watching Good mm-hmm. Omens. I'm just like, oh yeah, so, I love like, that book. Oh, so like I kind of read, I would say maybe a third of it a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I never finished it. 
I uh-huh. kind of started watching the TV show maybe like a year ago and then also kind mm-hmm. of just like fell out of it. And then right before I left, I was like, I am going to do it. I love David Tennant. Mm. Like I loved Stay. I do love David Tennant. Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. And apparently he's just like a very good egg. Like he has a, a like a good heart. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to And a whole passel of children. Already I just I always said that I don't I, I don't I'm not judging him but I so rarely get to use the word passel and no, that's the only reason should, I said you it you should but also like I mean you know talking to my my friend I'm always just like god damn he has so many children and she's like would you stop fucking him I'm like probably not but like I <laughs> I don't know if I'd I think I'd maybe like you know put a sock on it <laughs> fuck it hell like I maybe s- even Joe would God. The true test. The true test will Joe, will Joe. Are you queer for David Tennant? No. No, he wouldn't. So Dave, it's he, it's Joe would if he had married Joe, there would be no With this kids. beard he's giving Michael Shane. I know. I know. It's like what? Ew. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, what? Say it on the pod. Georgia Tennant once said on Twitter that she just looks at David Tennant and gets pregnant. Disgusting. <laughs> Straight people are foul. Sorry. Like, why would you tell? Why would you why say would that you in the Twitter? world? Hell. Um, but also, uh, because like I watched Staged, right? The like lockdown mm-hmm. project that they did. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Their dynamic mm-hmm. is hilarious. Mm-hmm. We did too. We did too. Oh, good. Watch it. I, I was mm-hmm. like, fuck it. I'm going to watch Good Omens. I'm going to commit to it. And then, like, I watched it twice. <laughs> I watched it. I got, like, real into it. Um, and then I came here because I, you know, did the international travel and I totally forgot mm-hmm. there was a new season, even though I saved it to, like, watch mm. and get into. Um, uh, have you seen it? Do you want spoilers? I'm not going to see it. You know me. <laughs> True. So it's like what Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman like would have written into a sequel. Uh, uh-huh. But it just, you know, Terry Pratchett dies and never got picked up. Yeah. So Neil Gaiman's writing for TV. Yeah. Um, did you, you, you never watched Our Flag Means Death, did you? Mm-mm. No, but you know what It's happens? almost always true. I do know what happens. It's I almost have... always the true thing that <laughs> I have not watched it. Yeah, you haven't seen it, <laughs> but you've, you've maybe read it. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Spoilers. Uh, don't listen if you don't want spoilers. The the same, it's almost exactly the same kind of like archetypal queer story where it's like a fussy little prim man with fancy clothes leaves a life that he's not happy with, falls in love with like a tall, dark and handsome, moody, like mysterious man. I read then... the synopsis. <laughs> See, Truth you know. You know. <laughs> and then like, you know, at the end of season two, I met with this like heartbreak, right? Where this demon who essentially like never stopped being an angel, like, you know, is given the opportunity to come back to heaven and he's like but essentially it's like a queer romance, even though they're technically, uh, you know, not gender right. beings because they're angels. And it's like this thing where they kind of have the opportunity to leave the heaven and hell structure as like god's like you know a i love angel i love all of... heaven and hell angel stuff so i love good. them all so there was good. one that we read about the library of the underworld or something that was mm. so good too oh. the library of hell it was mm. so good i just love but it all they're like given the opportunity to like return to oh, their yeah. original dynamic of like both being yeah. angels and then the whole thing falls apart it's like unrequited oh. like like love on both sides they want the same thing, but they've like tried to approach it differently. Like, and it's just it's just queer angst. Um, it's I love touching. this. But it, like you know, Michael Sheen, God love him, is an absolute shit stirrer, and is like you know you know how yeah you know, over the years we saw BBC Sherlock and we saw all these celebrities yeah, yeah. who were kind of like I'm not comfortable with like being a queer icon. He's like you know going on the internet. He's been like I'm the one writing the fan fiction. It's all me. Like. I know he is. He is really he's funny. So funny. He is really, really funny. He's, so he's funny. very, very funny. They're um, both really funny. They both seem yeah. like they're funny. Like you'd want to like talk to them. But also like they're funny. They just seem to actually just be besties. Yeah, um, they do. But David like, Tennant seems to get along with, with everyone. Yeah. No, he's like a golden retriever. He seems like like yeah. He's just yeah. Golden yeah. retriever, full of sperm. It's only five kids. 
I thought there was six. It's no, only five. That's what I was looking. Like, she has she has a kid. No, it includes marriage. that one. Okay. And I it thought, wasn't a marriage. Wait. She was in Greece. Oh, okay. God, you know more than I did. Sixteen. How many clips do they have? Six or five? Something like that. She she thinks six. Did, didn't they just have a new baby? Look. I know. He's older than me. Be like, just they'd be coming out of you pretty easily. Think your body's like, oh, we've done this before. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude about Georgia. That's that sounds rude, but like, uh, you know, because I've heard that the second kid just kind of like slides out of you compared to the first. So I can't imagine after six that your body would have much resistance. And there is where we remind everyone: if you would like to hear about elasticity, I'm talking about muscle memory. Oh my god! If you would like to support <laughs> us in our amazing insights into human anatomy. What the fuck up? Please consider sponsoring <laughs> our Patreon. One of the things that will happen is we won't talk about human anatomy and we will only talk about art. We only talk about the things I qualified to talk about. Good lord. <laughs> um... So you could also email at us at artlust podcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on tiktok artlust underscore podcast um, you can follow me Seema, at artlust and you can sorry, follow sophie dark room varmint v-a-r-m-i-n-t thank you for I listening I don't talk about david Tennant's sperm <laughs> on my own page i mean i mean i could if that's what the people want but i don't think i will be um I, Wouldn't it be awful if accidentally David Tennant, like sort of some bizarre turn of events, David Tennant's on a flight to somewhere and somebody's like, you know, there's this t- this really great podcast and he accidentally opens this episode. Poor guy. I'm sorry, David Tennant. I'm sorry, George, or whatever your name is. Sometimes I wonder, like, do we, are we keeping this small intentionally so that we don't have to deal with the shit that we said? Um, I will say, right. yes. No. Maybe. Tell everybody, don't keep us down. Don't gatekeep us. It's going to happen. We're going to get there. All right. Stay well. Okay, bye.